0: You see, this is my life. It always will be. There's nothing else. Just us. And the cameras. And those wonderful people out there in the dark. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. Well, hello and welcome to our second episode of Ready for Close-Up. My name is Andy, and I'm here with Sam. Hello, Sam. Hi, Andy. And as you might have noticed, we switched to English. Broaden our appeal, conquer the international market. Who knows? Today, we're going to talk about, I think, a very interesting topic, which is very close to your and I think also mine heart or any moviegoer's heart the Bond universe or the Bond movies. Today we will discuss what the fascination of this Bond franchise is, why it has been so popular over the decades. We will discuss also what comes after Craig as No Time to Die, which will start this year is the last Bond with Daniel Craig, what is in store for the franchise, so to speak. We will have a look at best of Bonds, so we will discuss the typical tropes, and also Bond villains, Bond girls, and of course, who's the best Bond actor. And we'll finish off with a few recommendations out of the Bond universe. Sam, I'm very happy that you're here because you're a certified Bond fan, I would say. Tell us a little bit more how you maybe got into the Bond movies and what is the fascination of H-
1: How much time do I have? <laughs> well, I was first of all excited that you suggested we do Bond so soon because for me, that's like my origin with movies. And I think even last time I was mentioning that uh, it was the first thing that I got interested in as a teenager watching a Bond movie at 12. It was under Majesty's Secret service I really liked it and I started reading and collecting everything about James Bond books and soundtracks and of course all the movies I wrote my own encyclopedia and book about James Bond at 14 Mm -hmm. and I got interested in more uh, about film and history and I always say this was kind of my original interest and it got me to everything else even you know speaking and learning English because I wanted to understand what the hell they were saying in the James Bond movies
0: originally you mentioned you you remember your first bond movie you saw i think for me personally i i don't think i will be able to pinpoint that really because bond is something that i think we grew up with or you grew up with watching a television there reruns of all the old movies and I think they're these staples that come together and at least from personal experience there are a lot of sometimes you watch a movie and you only see half an hour of one or or you've maybe seen bits and pieces of certain movies and yet it, it creates this this iconic images I would say. That's right. I mean, so many people tell you, you know, I saw this, I I don't know which movie it was,
1: but I saw a Bond movie recently. And then I always ask them, tell me the scene, because of course, after seeing them so many times, I I recognize them. But it's true. It's such a cultural phenomenon for so many. And they're on television all the time. I mean, how many times have you written to me that you were watching a James Bond movie or people tell me, oh, I saw a Bond movie the other night. So it's really, it's, it's still huge, I think. What was the last one movie you've seen? Actually it was The Spy Who Loved Me. I really liked it again. Mm-hmm. It's still one of my
0: favorites. Roger Moore's best, I believe. But I think we'll talk about yes. it later. What was yours? Uh, yeah, I've also seen Spy Who Loved Me last week oh. last weekend. <laughs> and um How did you like it? I think it's great. I think it's As you said, I think it's one of Moore's best, if not the best. I mean, of course, it's very 70s, but I think it's still... The plot is well-structured. There are very good elements. I think the villains are great. The Bond girl is great, Barbara Bach. And, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think this is really an entertaining Bond movie, for sure. And I think also the interesting Mm -hmm. part is that over the decades, so to speak, the movies have really created this canon of, of villains, of Bond girls, of iconic iconic scenes. Maybe you could explain a little bit more what makes this franchise so fascinating. Talking about the Spiral of Me kind of brings it up already. It's it's when all those
1: elements come together mm-hmm. a perfect way. And I think that's when you have those iconic best Bond movies. And I think you mentioned, you know, the villains and you mentioned the girls, but then also, of course, the gadgets and the cars and the iconic characters, the, the recurring ones like M and Q and Felix Leiter and Miss Moneypenny. You, you expect certain things, you know what to expect from Bond. Funnily enough, people are almost most enthusiastic about the films that bring those well-known elements together, and they're quite critical of the ones that somehow tamper with these typical elements. Personally, I think it's different from other franchises because it's not like the Marvel universe today where you have such a stress on a universe being built in a short time. But I mean, Bond has been around for for ages, starting with the early 60s and the Cold War crises of the time. And then it has spanned all those decades and they were always trying to stay relevant. And I think it's also because they had a very clever production production team, both of the producers themselves, and it has kind of stayed in the family, so they were protecting this franchise from too many outside influences. They always adapted to changing times, kind of current events, and they always also adapted to to movie styles that were in fashion at the time at the beginning they were themselves really influential with those 1960s spy movies but then they also copied and adapted to other successes and in that sense they were always able to reboot and in a way also come back to the original ian fleming character the literary character that was created in the 1950s and i think that also made sure that their fan base has stayed very loyal to them and it's a big fan base It's people who somewhat are fans and who know a lot of the movies or some of the movies. And there's also the diehard fans that really know everything. And this this space spans all the ages and all the countries and regions of the world. From great-grandchildren to their great-grandparents somewhat, you can talk about James Bond. And I think that's what kept it relevant. So it's kind of intergenerational
0: as a phenomenon. And I think it's also interesting to see that I think the later bonds now with Daniel Craig they've been also financially massive successes. So it's not just something that really diehard fans go to. It's really, it has this mass appeal. Really, all the generations, they they flock to these Bond movies.
1: I remember seeing the very first scene of Bond was actually the, the ending of Goldfinger, and I must have been around six, seven years old. And even my niece, she was five when she talked about Bond for the first time, but she knew what James Bond was. So even if you haven't seen an entire film, you know the character, you know that something like Star Wars, there's something like James Bond around there. Yeah, it has
0: really become this pop culture icon. Maybe tell us a little bit more about how, when we speak about, okay, we we grew up maybe with the older Bonds, of say, the Moore or Connery era, I think now that the Craig Bond movies are very, very successful, I think, how has this franchise evolved over time? Why exactly did Bond survive? What made it so successful that it really went all the way up until today? It's an
1: interesting question. Because so many times people were saying Bond is dead. Mm-hmm. He was very, very successful in the 60s and kind of style setting in the 60s and created a lot of copycats. By 1968 with Flower Power Movement and it seemed that a character like Bond would just die out because he was no longer relevant being so macho and misogynist and it it seemed like he was not relevant anymore. But then I think it's due to the very clever production team, especially Harry Salzman and Albert R. Broccoli who were the original producers and then later on the, the Broccoli family taking over and their children kind of producing the movies up until today. So they stayed in the family and they then found a new way to set the style. So I was looking at the Bond films and once Sean Connery's out of the picture because he was the big draw of the 60s with the exception of one movie they kind of adapted to the movie styles of the time they had a kind of black exploitation movie with live and let die and then they had some kung fu influence in the man with the golden gun then of course there was the big Star Wars craze Jaws craze with the Spy Who Loved Me and Moonraker later on they tried to kind of go all miami vice with yes. timothy dalton that didn't work out so well then they rebooted it with pierce brosnan kind of more of a slick elegant bond again and action-driven uh, big set pieces and then came came craig with kind of a jason bourne style bond they also tried to use the christopher nolan styles even at one point trying to get him involved so I think it's it's that adaptability of the Bond franchise. It's not just working in one style. It kind of works in all kinds
0: of different colors and facets that movies can, can be. I also think, if I might add, that the talent that has always been drawn to these productions has always been very, very high or very influential and important. I think be it stars or singers or I think in the later Mm -hmm. years now with Sam Mendes or Mark Foster, prolific directors as well that were on board.
1: Absolutely. I think that's probably one of the elements that kept it alive for the past 20, 25 years, especially after the 80s, where they kind of tried to get new directors on board. And before it was kind of like a production team that stayed the same, more or less, throughout the the 80s and and, and before. So I think that's an element. And then, of course, in in terms of the the character itself, I thought it was interesting that they brought him back closer to what James Bond originally was in the Ian Fleming novels. That keeps it interesting and it's interesting also that that the character is so relevant still, the way he's described Mm -hmm. in the books, kind of in that a dark brooding character always at odds with his job and his role as an agent and so that that perfectly fits now the craig era even though it was written in the 1950s then of course i think you ask about cultural changes i think bond was quite clever in adapting also to for instance the image of women every time a bond movie comes out they try to stress the fact that this time the woman has a much more independent role she's no longer the bimbo. They always try to stress now this Bond girl has become his ally, she's his equal, maybe she's even stronger than Bond himself. And even though sometimes I'm quite critical of that point and I think, well, no, that the women's roles aren't that great. But I think that's something that they kept in the conversation. And also, of course, the different events that they brought in. Cold War, at the beginning, science fiction later on, even the war in Afghanistan in the 1980s, which was quite controversial, or the media Mogul in in the 1990s mm. which is still super relevant if you watch uh, 2 More Never Dies. That was a very interesting development even though they always went back to some fantasy Bond films every once in a while but at the same time they always kept the conversation up
0: about how relevant Bond still is in in the present day world. And would you say that these maybe more realistic or more relevant Bonds do you value them more than the the complete sci-fi I don't know 500 atomic bombs uh, from a little <laughs> ice castle in iceland shot to uh, all over the world I'm a, I'm a big fan of the the reboot bonds
1: that bring bond back to earth if you think of under Majesty's secret service trying to really do a bond with emotions and with doubts about his job but there was also others like for your eyes only the living daylights And of course, Casino Royale, where they completely rebooted the franchise in many different ways as well. My favorite Bonds are almost exclusively of that Mm -hmm. group of Bonds, with a few exceptions, of course. But I, I do like whenever they try to get back to Fleming and the original Bond creation and do something that is actually rooted in reality and maybe even in, in current-day events.
0: How do you see the franchise evolving after Craig? You know, there are always these discussions around Bond should be black now, it should be a woman, he should be gay or at least bisexual. What are, What is your stance on that?
1: In a way, I think, again, the Bond franchise is clever at adapting the character, making him slightly more modern, slightly less misogynist, slightly more ironic... I'm just thinking of the scene, you know, between Daniel Craig and Javier Bardem in Skyfall, where they kind of hint at the fact that Bond might have had some kind of homosexual experience Mm -hmm. before. And they do a very ironic take on that. So I think they will not do something radical like suddenly have a a female or, or black Bond. I think the idea has been around for so long. It's just interesting. Yellow press fodder in a way. So people can either get annoyed or they can support a different type of Bond. But I think they will do it in, in different ways, keep him relevant, keeping somehow up to date. And I think what will be really interesting is that after No Time to Die comes out, what they will do next. I mean, the world has changed over the past few months quite radically. Well, how do, will they react to, you know, post-corona world, Black Lives Matters protests, all these anti-colonialist stances at the moment that are being discussed and also these anti-British sentiments. After Brexit, Mm -hmm. so what will a post-Brexit, post-Corona, post-BLM protest bond be like? And I think that will be the, the challenge for them. Also with regard to how they will release future Bonds, they were thinking of suddenly streaming Bond instead of releasing them in cinema. So I think they're they're really up to the task, but it will be a challenging one to,
0: to follow up after Craig. Do Do you think that they will go in the vein of Disney <laughs> in the sense that they will just remake Bond movies? I hope not. For
1: me, the appeal of Bond is that even though, it, of course, there's a lot of repetition and movies that kind of resist each other. I always enjoyed how they created a new adventure that was independent from the others. And I must say even though I liked the Daniel Craig movies a lot, independently I didn't care so much for their attempt at creating a Bond universe over several films. I thought after vesperlin's Berlin's death in Casino Royale the idea of him going on a revenge spree in the next movie was interesting as a concept but then bringing the memory of her back for four or five movies by now, linking it to, to an organization that then becomes Spectre, it wasn't necessary for me. I'm more a fan of the clear-cut independent adventures and that kind of my wish for the next Bond to be more courageous because they only bring them out every three, four, five years by now. So I don't need a series in that sense. It can also be just a fun James Bond full-on classic adventure and that's that.
0: I think that's important to note also in regards to let's say the Marvel Universe which is really in a universe where every superhero has its own adventure and movie and then they all come together for an Avengers movie and you, Marvel shoots out three, four movies a year. I don't think you you will see soon a a stand alone q movie or a standalone miss money penny <laughs> on the go so i think yeah what you say is, is i think very right and i would agree that just bring a good action thriller spy thriller uh, on screen and and we're all happy with it I'm, I'm pretty confident that the bond producers are also on the
1: same page with that there was an attempt at doing an independent you know Halle Berry movie and her character Jinx in uh, Die Another Day but that idea certainly died a
0: quick death. It was also one of the worst movies ever I guess.
1: So I, I was wondering should we turn this around and because I would like to know from you a little bit what your favorite Bond Villains, Bond girls, and then maybe also Bond movies are because those are all the questions that I'm constantly ask as a fan. You know, what's your favorite Bond? What's your favorite Bond movie? Bond girl, Bond villain, and so on. So. Let's talk about
0: Bond villains first of all who are your favorite baddies or henchmen from the Bond series. I think when you think of Bond villain, in my mind immediately I have the image of Rick Goldfinger from the movie Goldfinger, played by Gert Fröbe, and he really embodies all these elements you would come to expect from a perfect villain, in the sense that he's still somewhat grounded in reality, but he's incredibly rich, he has a, an evil henchman, auto job on his side or always a few steps behind who kills for him with a bowler hat he has these sinister plans he is still a little bit kooky enough but not too crazy i think like like i think in later movies they sometimes with the villains went into almost caricatures and i think he is still very this this businessman with with too much power and a crazy mind and also in this famous scene where he tries to kill bond with this laser you expect me to talk and then goldfinger replies no mr bond i expect you to die and also the how Gerd Freiber played him. This is a great villain. I agree. I agree. Probably my my all-time favorite. I'm also a great fan of Electra King, played by Sophie Marceau in uh, The World Is N- Not Enough. First of all, of course, I love femme fatales, and I love uh, a killing lady and an evil bitch. So I think Electra King is an interesting Bond villainess because she doesn't start out as one. You, you in the beginning, you think she's a Bond girl, and she's this victim, that Bond needs to protect from these evil villains. And only in the course of the movie, it turns out that she is the main villain, at least in my eyes. And she really matches up to Bond. And I think that's interesting for for a villain in general, but also for a Bond lady, Bond girl, as you like it. Bond has met his match in her. She's elegant, she's sexy, she's interesting. And that's really makes for a great villainess, I think. And there are Unfortunately, not enough female villains, I would say. There are a lot of evil Bond girls, but the actual, a real main villain, I think, Electra King is the only one. Another villain I really like a lot is Emilio Largo from Thunderball, which I think is also this very, I would say it's a, it's a staple of, of a Bond villain. He has this very distinctive visuals, like the eye patch and the white tuxedo most of the time and all these these gadgets and the the sharks. I think Emilio Largo is one of these villains who left a a lasting impression on me when I was watching as a kid. Because this is really, I think, together with Oric Goldfinger, this this embodiment of a great villain. I mean, I would definitely agree with, with Goldfinger for me. A couple of other iconic characters came up that are maybe
1: less famous. I'm a big fan of Franz Sanchez in License to Kill, this drug baron that Timothy Dalton tries to infiltrate and then kill. And I think kind of this bonding, no pun intended, that goes on between Timothy Dalton and Robert Darby is really great and how Bond kind of works Mm. his way up, pretends to, to be a loyal ally. That dynamic I really like, and I think Robert Darby plays him Perfectly in License to Kill. Another one I really like is the elegant, sophisticated villain who wants to kill Bond as as, as brutally, but as slowly mm, as possible. I yes. think Louis Jourdan as Kamal Khan in Octopus he for me is the perfect embodiment of that. Less brutish, but more
0: man of the world. Yeah, I, I have to say it's, for me at least, not a very memorable villain, but I think that's the beauty of these Bond films that you can discuss endlessly who likes what and for what reason wait until we get to the bond films or oh, the bond girls <laughs> and maybe the last one
1: if i had to pick three would be a more recent one which is uh, le Chiffre. i mean he was already iconic in the book but the way mads Mikkelsen plays him in casino royale is so great and so novel in a way the way he is under stress because he, mm-hmm. he has lost a lot of money and he tries to win it back and you can really understand his predicament. So it goes back to that, to what you said about Goldfinger. There's a real business interest for him and that's why he's a villain. He's not just evil, but he became a villain because there's something he really needs to protect. So let's talk about Bond girls then next, that might be more controversial, I don't know. So if you had to
0: pick three Bond girls, what would be the most memorable ones from the Bond series for you? Well, having seen The Spy Who Loved Me as the last Bond, and it's very fresh in my memory, I I would definitely say Barbara Bach as uh, Anya Amazova. She's a Russian spy, and in The Spy Who Loved Me, she really helps Bond, and she's really on equal terms, I think. She's sent from the KGB to support Bond. First of all, she's beautiful. I think she's really the embodiment of, of this 70s beauty, but she also knows how to fight and to to defend herself uh, when she's attacked on a train by Jaws, the evil henchman with the, the golden teeth. <laughs>
1: well, I have, to, I have to disagree there because she just gets slapped in the face <laughs> and then she's unconscious. Yeah, they try okay. to make her into this. You know, at least this this she, Bond girl at least. <laughs> who's, who can fight her fight, but she never fights a fight, she, she just gets slapped all over. Yes. And then at the end, Stromberg ties her down and she's just there lying in a
0: pretty dress <laughs> until <laughs> okay, Bond rescues there, her. But you know, at least <laughs> in, a, in a Charlie's Angel kind of way, she clenches her fists. I think the thought mm. counts. <laughs> True. And we have to maybe say that at this point, this was really
1: something new to see in a movie. I think she was kind of paving the way to more feisty, independent characters that came later on. But I think in the mid-late
0: 70s, that was something quite new. Yes, and also I think in the context of the other Moore Bond girls, which were mostly like these lambs and, and these helpless damsels who needed to be saved, I think like she was really someone who, who was, was contributing to Bond's mission, rather than right. just being the sexy sidekick, in a way. So that's <laughs> why I like her a sure. lot. Who else? I think, similar to Electra King, I always have a knack for the evil Bond girls. So yeah, actually, the other two I would mention are, are evil chicks. Let's start with, from Thunderball again, uh, Fiona Volpe. Maybe that's also something, because I've seen this movies so many times and since the age of, I don't know, seven or eight that this character is so in my in my, <laughs> in my brain that this is an evil Bond girl. And I think also in the context of a 60s Bond girl, she's a killer. So she goes out there on a bike and she kills someone and she tries to kill Bond and she she still uses her um, female appeal. And uh, I will never get over the scene where, where she meets her demise, where they dancing, Bond and her. It's a kiss-kiss club in Nassau or something <laughs> like this. And the killer in the back behind Bush Pushes, tries to shoot Bond and, and then he qu- quickly turns her and she gets the shot and she's dead and I think I was was always devastated <laughs> over this scene because I wanted her to, to move on and they killed the off your girl. favorite Bond girl they killed off my favorite Bond girl so and I think history repeated itself 30 years later with Xenia on top played by Femke Janssen in A Golden Eye I think she was in a similar vein as Fiona Volpe as a character like this evil ruthless killer who's on the spree and I mean of course there they made her her talent was to to kill the victims with her thighs right quite outlandish at the time outlandish at the time still funny now no I think this is the same she I think it's a similar character so that's why I think I, I was also drawn to those.
1: If I look at my choice, I noticed that they're also of a certain type. I always liked the independent, romantic types of Bond Girls for some reason, where I felt there was also kind of some emotional bonding going on with 007. I mean, my absolute favorite always was Diana Rigg as Tracy DiVincenzo, the Contessa he saves from drowning herself in Unrematched Secret Service and then through her father gets in touch with Blofeld and goes to Switzerland to hunt him down she follows him and they have this romantic escape from the mountain and of course you know coming from Switzerland they always loved seeing these action scenes and then also the romance blossoming and of course she's a tragic bride who gets shot at the end so for me she always had a special significance special place in my Bond heart and I think Diana Riggs just does such a great job of, of playing her she's she's feisty she's cute she's independent she's i mean she's a great actress one of the first actually good actresses in my mind to play a bond girl before they were often you know beauty queens and and gorgeous actresses but they often lacked uh... from
0: ostermundigen <laughs> from ostermundigen among other <laughs> beautiful places. girls from ostermundigen <laughs> yes and they always had to uh, they had to you know, dub them because they
1: couldn't speak their lines, but they looked pretty on movie posters and in the movie themselves. So for me, Diane Rigg was the first one who actually had the acting chops to also play a role properly. She's great. Yeah. Second one, Maud Adams' double Bond girl, of course, when she, after playing in The Man with the Golden Gun. She was recast as Octopussy in the mm. awfully titled 1983 movie. And I think I like the fact that she was a businesswoman who had her empire on an island full of women. Of course, even though... What was that empire, though? <laughs> Silk
0: bathrobes or or what, what is the empire?
1: <laughs> no, she was stealing you know, jewelry. She was then through her circus kind of smuggling jewelry into different countries, like from East Germany to the West. Then she was, of course, a used by Kamal Khan so i think she was she was betrayed but she kind of followed her own path becoming a businesswoman and this influential person and I think Bond and her are kind of a perfect match because Moore at the time had aged quite a bit. And I always thought that Maud Adams and Roger Moore were kind of the perfect couple. You really believed that there
0: was this attraction and also this, this conflict going on between her and him. Absolutely. I think that's the main point I would sign for, for Maude Adams and Octopussy, that she was age-wise closer to Moore at that time. And that's why they also had a better chemistry. Later Moore's also before, I think, <laughs> the girls were already two. years young and, and this was always a little bit weird. Her favorite is probably, yeah. you know, You Two Kill, Ta- having Tanya
1: Roberts playing Stacey yeah, Sutton. I mean, she was, she was terrible, If we had to a list of like bim- worst Bond girls, she'd definitely be, she didn't, wouldn't be the worst. I th- still think there is a couple of good moments, but she was such a mismatch for Roger Moore at the time. And in that sense, Mona yeah. Adams was actually the perfect match. I actually have to correct myself on the third one. I was going to pick Madeline Swan of Spectre and now No Time to Die. But of course I'm th- forgetting all about Vesper Lind. I mean, I'd have to say Ever Evergreen playing Vesper Lind, maybe the perfect mix between the two types that we talked about. You know, she's both independent romantic as a Bond girl, but then turns out to be a type of a villain at the end, even though she had her dramatic reasons for betraying Bond. But she's probably one of the most interesting Bond girls and the most influential ones because she was the first one in the books. And then, of course, she influenced the whole Daniel Craig era with her presence. And she was the motivation yes. for so many of the things in the movies after Casino Royale. So I'd have to pick her as my third favorite. So one of the big questions that I'm always asked is, you know, who's your favorite Bond? Are you a Connery guy? Are you a Roger Moore guy? Are you a Fierce Brosnan? Or are you a Daniel Craig type? So do you have a favorite Bond? Your answer is always George Lazenby. Will always be Woody Allen, of course. Woody <laughs> Allen playing Bond in Casino <laughs> Royale, 1967. And Peter oh, well, Sellers. David Niven also played and also and Bond. And Ursula Andres. She's Peter also Sellers. James Bond.
0: For the real franchise. Who, uh, do you have a favorite Bond? I have preferences, let's put it that way. I think I prefer Sean Connery over, let's say, Roger Moore or Timothy Dalton, even Pierce Brosnan, I would say. I, it's difficult to say, I think all of the actors who played him they had certain qualities and they brought certain things to the role of course the original one sean connery i think he created that role on cinema screen so that's why he's like the gold standard but i think in the roger moore made him a little bit more ironic a little bit softer a little bit more goofy if you like uh, whereas i think timothy dalton got really you mentioned before miami Vice. it was really this raw aggressiveness in a way which was probably a little bit ahead of its time and then pierce brosnan is Probably a mixture of all them. Whereas I think he he was very good in Golden Eye, but then he also got gradually a little bit. He he went down the Roger Moore path, I would say. It got has also to do probably with the movies and the scripts. But and Daniel Craig, I liked him a lot in Casino Royale, but I think he has been a little bit too rough in that sense. I'd like the character to be a little bit more refined, a little bit more the English gentleman. And I think Daniel Craig embodies more this very rough guy who's who's ready to punch anytime. So if I had to pick a favorite, I would probably go for Sean Connery.
1: I would agree with you that it really depends on the era and the movie. And I think all the Bond actors have been perfect in at least one movie. So for me, and if we talk of gold standards, it would be Sean Connery in Goldfinger. As I love Under Secret Service as a movie, I always think George Lazenby in a way is perfect for that movie because it's a different animal. So I think he's really great in that. I love Roger Moore in The Spy I Love. Me and For Your Eyes Only. And then I'm a big fan of the two Timothy Dalton Bonds. I think both of them are great. So I would have to say he does a Mm. fantastic job being that type of Bond in his two movies. Pierce Brosnan is the only one I can really never quite root for. And even though I think he's slick and elegant and perfect in GoldenEye in a way, I never really got around to saying that I like him as Bond. He was always my least favorite. And Daniel Craig, as you said, is absolutely perfect For Casino Royale and does a great job at reiterating that in the later Bonds, also Skyfall for instance, is, is, is strong in terms of his performance and he's a good actor. But I think he's perfect in Casino Royale,
0: so that would be my, my answer. Every Bond had his perfect moment. So we talked a lot about movies, Bond girls, villains, and, and if you were to give three recommendations, which Bond movies should we go now after this podcast and watch? I would say go and watch Goldfinger.
1: Because this is the Bond where everything comes together for the first time. Perfect Bond. Perfect Bond villain. Perfect car. Great characters otherwise. And just the irony and the sense of humor that's already there. Great music. In a way, that's the first time Bond reached perfection in my eyes. Then, of course, I'd have to recommend Under Master's Secret Service. Always my personal favorite. It's a movie that's different, much more based on the original Bond novel. It's great, romantic, has exciting action scenes. And, of course, there's the Swiss locations that I always loved. And the third one is a bit of a wild card. I chose License to Kill, starring Timothy Dalton. Because this literally is the Bond movie that has aged Fantastically. Whenever I watch it, it gets a little bit better. It's that Bond going rogue plot line again, that we have in many of the newer Bond films as well, in the Craig era. And it really works well in terms of that hunting down of Sanchez by Bond, the infiltration. It's a great storyline, great side characters, for instance, you know, a young Benicio del Toro, great dramatic action scenes. It's, it's really a, a joy to watch still, and it, it only gets better. What about yours?
0: I would definitely say Casino Royale which was really a perfect action thriller, a great spy movie. It introduced Daniel Craig which reinvigorated the Bond franchise even more so after the few lackluster efforts from Pierce Brosnan and there was also this time where no one really knew if Bond could survive in the face of Jason Bourne movies and things like that and everyone was making fun of him that he's blonde and whatever but then this movie came along and it was amazing it was had a great bond as we discussed a great bond girl and it was really well done another recommendation would be thunderball i know it's probably not the most popular or most favorite but i think it has something to do with nostalgic feelings towards it i think it's one that i saw a lot as a kid hence also this infatuation (laughs) with the bond girl and the villain Um, and i think it's a really great spy movie where all these components come together exotic Places, beautiful girls, underwater action, atomic bombs, you name it. And the third pick would probably be I'm hesitant between Goldeneye and The Spy Who Loved Me, but I think out of nostalgic reasons, (laughs) I would say Spy Who Loved Me. Because I think it's it has also a very good script, a great villain, an even greater Bond girl, a great henchman, a great song. I think there's a lot of things coming together. It's entertaining, it's not too goofy, not too silly, but still brings everything together together in a great way so this is also highly entertaining I would say
1: I totally agree I mean Casino Royale and the Spy Loved Me are very close to my favorites I would even argue that by now Casino Royale upon repeated viewing also only gets better and it's such a great watch every time but just as we said at the beginning recently seeing the Spy Loved Me again just made me realize how well put together that one is with all the elements falling into place so yeah totally agree Not a big fan of Thunderball, but there you go. But that's the fun about the Bond series, I
0: guess. You can kind of discuss and
1: debate forever.
0: Exactly. That's the beauty of it. But maybe we should wrap it up and have a little outlook on what's to come. If it weren't for COVID-19, we probably could already discuss about the latest Bond outing, No Time to Die, which should have been released in April, but unfortunately now it has been postponed to November. So... Any thoughts on that? I mean, the trailer was out and the cast is out and we have a few bits and pieces. To me, it looks quite good. I hope it's not a second Quantum of Solace, but the cast looks quite interesting. I think Rami Malek could potentially bring a great Bond villain to the screen. I'm very hopeful of Anna De Armas channeling all the Fiona volpes in the world and being a bad girl. <laughs> Madeleine Swan, played by Leah Sidu, is coming back. Christoph Waltz as Blofeld is coming back, and of course all the other players such as Ralph Fiennes, Naomi Harris, and Ben Whishaw. What are your thoughts upon seeing the trailer? It
1: all looks great. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to to see it. I'm always a little bit hesitant what the teaser or the trailer promises but i think it's gonna be a very exciting wrapping up of the the craig era Um, i'm hoping that afterwards maybe they get back to something a bit more self-contained and classic as i said i'm not a big fan of this this saga of the craig era where characters reappeared in other movies and the memories Mm -hmm. of something was haunting bond whether it be Vesper Lynn's death or M's death. So yeah, that's more of my hopes for the time afterwards. I'm kind of tired of these Bond goes rogue and Bond quits his job and then Bond comes back to his job. My God, just... Be a Roger Moore and do your job, you know. Come into M's office, get your file for your eyes only and then get on the job and do it and then wrap it up at Go the end. Go to and, the Bahamas and right. do your job and come back. I What's wrong with that? Maybe that will have what's to be Bond's future. Choose your next witticism carefully, Mr. Bond. It might be your last. Well, no, this was fun. Thanks for... Doing a Bond episode so soon, as I said at the beginning. I didn't expect to have that pleasure of talking Bond to you for our second episode already. And here's hoping that you guys enjoyed this as well. And so we're looking forward to having you back next time.
0: I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship.